This is Socrates and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Episode 234 of The Yellow World Pod. My name is always, this is Stefan Bolsko. I'm the host for this episode and I'm joined only by Lars Polman because Matthias Zug has excused himself. He is a little bit under the weather. Get well soon. Hello, Lars. Hello, Stefan. It's only me. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, I guess. How are you doing? I am fine. Thanks. Cool. Uh, me too. And um, I uh, have the pleasure to announce that Jack Michael will be the sponsor of this episode. He has pledged a couple of bucks on patreon.com slash to support our attempt on world dominance, which needs funding. And um, also, because I know you guys can't wait, I uh, can finally announce the winner of or the winners, the five winners of our raffle we had. Um, Asking our fans to, yeah, send us their fandom in photos to win one of five tickets to the uh, game against LAFC in May. I can have it in front of me yet again. Guess I have to re-listen to the uh, last episode. Nevertheless, uh, whoever won it definitely knows when the game is and uh, we will, of course, contact you. And uh, here we go. It's uh, James Coston, Karen Kelly, Derek Tracy... At CB Wrangler on Twitter, Champagne of Tweets, and uh, Justina Rusek. Congratulations, you guys. You have won a ticket and we'll get in touch with you to uh, yeah, make sure you actually receive it and can go to the game. Lars, isn't that something? Yeah, uh, my excitement <laughs> knows no bounds right now. As always, as always. Um, Lars, you are obviously world famous on the Yellow World Pod for your uh, excitement. So, um, without any further ado, I guess we can go through the, over to the news and it has more or less just broken what you have announced, I think, in our Yellow Wallpot Slack group or whatever, like months and months ago, that Marvin with the W hits will be what seems to be Roman Weidenfeller's backup. Replacement. Or replacement. Yeah, replace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Marvin cool. with a W, all he does is win. Uh, <laughs> Coming over on a free transfer from Augsburg, 30 years old, has been uh, Augsburg's starting goalkeeper for the last, I want to say, four or five seasons. Really a solid uh, goalkeeper who's, in my opinion, probably not going to push Berkey too hard uh, for the number one job at Dortmund, but who's uh, certainly good enough uh, to play, you know, 10, 15 games if the need would arise with a with an injury to Berkey. Um, like Berkey, he's Swiss and he's going to the World Cup uh, with Switzerland, as is Berkey. Uh, presumably, of course, the, the squad announcement has yet to take place, but uh, that, that kind of shows you that uh, it's it's not, you know, the, the clear-cut number two goalkeeper uh, that promoting someone like Dominic Reimann would have been. So this is more of a... Uh, a move with more upside, I would say, uh, just because he has a lot of experience. And if if he wasn't on a free, I think Dortmund wouldn't have uh, tried to sign him uh, because he would probably have uh, commanded a, a somewhat substantial fee. I mean, goalkeepers in Germany typically are relatively cheap, but uh, he's he's plenty good enough to be a number one goalkeeper for a decent sized club. You know, someone looking to get into the Europa League or something. So. Uh, kind of fortunate for Dortmund that his contract is running out and uh, obviously we I, we might have even talked about him on this show before uh, because of his contract expi expiring in the summer uh, seeing as he is represented by the same agency as Nuri Shahin, Mahmoud Dahoud 
Peter Bosch and Lucien Favre. Uh, so his agent is Reza Fazeli. He has a lot of connections with Dortmund and this wasn't particularly surprising, uh, the news breaking uh, on the same day as we are recording the show. No, definitely not. Um, I think it's it's a really savvy signing because, as you said, with 30 years old, he has experience. And also, I don't really recall him making too many mistakes, goalkeeping errors within the last two seasons or so. He has been very solid for Augsburg. Uh, I wouldn't say world class or outstanding, but he's still on a level where you know if something were to happen to your number one goalkeeper that um. You don't really have to worry that uh, the backup c couldn't perform. I, I think it's a really wise choice getting him on a free even better. Um, the thing is, I think Dortmund were also interested in uh, uh, Lukas Hadecki from uh, Frankfurt, but I'm not really sure he would be happy to be the number two goalkeeper or just in contention without the promise to become number one. So, um, No, he's yeah. he's going to Bayer Leverkusen to be the number one. That's basically yeah. a, a not particularly well-kept secret that uh, Bernd Leno is finally going to make use of his exit clause, uh, probably going to Napoli, as far as I know. Uh, and Radetzky is going to be the, the clear-cut number one for uh, Bayer Leverkusen. So uh, even if Dortmund were really, really interested in him, there was probably not, not a huge chance to get him. So getting the next best, Uh, free transfer from a Bundesliga proven goalkeeper. I mean, there's, there's nothing to argue about with this transfer. Yeah. And when we talk about Leverkusen, um, we can talk about a four point gap now. Is it after this, uh, match day because uh, Leverkusen lost to Stuttgart, right? Yeah. So nobody knows why. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one loss, I think Stuttgart only had one shot on target or yeah. And, and that was their goal. Meanwhile, Leverkusen had a, plethora of chances but couldn't finish um something similar to how Dortmund's game went but I would actually say that Dortmund played a little bit better on the weekend than Leverkusen did and um yeah I think you predicted a 3-1 win I predicted a 4-1 win to Dortmund and I think both these results were very much possible on Sunday in Bremen it yielded in a 1-1 draw um last I thought it was a really positive performance after the final win, which was arguably, arguably uh, the, the best, arguably <laughs> the best performance this season. So, um, how happy were you that Dortmund could, yeah, have a, have a positive response in what is more or less a topsy-turvy campaign? Yeah, I would certainly take note of uh, Dortmund's ability for the first time in months, it feels like, to come up with two good performances in a row. Uh, it wasn't quite as good as uh, the one against Leverkusen, um, especially the 20-odd minutes before halftime, if I remember correctly, weren't particularly good. I think Bremen outshot them like 9-2 to two in that time, even though there weren't uh, many great scoring chances in there for the, for the horse. But uh, on the whole... Uh, I have very little to be mad about in terms of Dortmund's performance. Uh, they created a lot of chances in the second half, a lot of pretty good to very good uh, individual performances from, uh, for example, Akanji was uh, really good at left back again, but the, the star of the game, in my opinion, on Dortmund's side uh, was Mario Götze. And uh, then Dortmund just ran into a very good goalkeeper, uh, as we talked about in the preview show, who had an incredible uh, evening. I mean, we, we talked about Pavlenka being one of the two or three best goalkeepers this Bundesliga season. I think this was arguably the best uh, performance by a goalkeeper this season. That includes uh, Roman Bürki's incredible game on the crappy pitch at Gladbach when he made, I think, 11 saves. I think this was even better from Pavlenka because there were more clear-cut chances from close range, which he all kept out. He looked like a, a handball goalkeeper, if you've ever watched that sport in some of these instances. So uh, whenever that happens, you just tip your cap like Marco Reus did in his post-match uh, interview uh, and just move on. And with the results of the opposition uh, in the hunt for the Champions League spots, I guess a, a, a draw at Bremen isn't too bad a result anyway. 
No, definitely not. I mean, Hoffenheim are now on Dortmund's tail. They're like three points behind them now because they won. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it was comfortable, but uh, comfortable enough. A 3-1 win against Hanover Leverkusen. Yeah, added a second loss. So Dortmund four points ahead of them. Um, I think a lot of uh, Dortmund fans were a bit sad that Dortmund yeah, failed to snatch that second place off Schalke which was definitely on the cards on, on that day. Uh, Schalke play against Augsburg next. Um, Dortmund obviously hosts Mainz and uh, Hoffenheim play away to Stuttgart. And Leverkusen will be facing Bremen away. So um, I would say the next day, <coughs> the next match day should uh, be fine for, for Dortmund to wrap it up. And uh, if I'm correct, then they do it one match day sooner than they did last season, right? Yeah, last season was the crazy finish uh, against Bremen where at times during the game they were fourth and then came back to uh, claim third from uh, Hoffenheim instantly. Yeah, that that being said, I you know, it was only a little bit more dramatic than it, it's this season just because, um, yeah, fourth was still not the direct qualification but, you know, would have warranted a playoff game. And uh, yeah, this year... There are no playoffs for the Champions League qualification, but uh, just either you're qualified you're, or you are in the Europa League. And uh, with that, yeah, for the Dortmund for the big leagues, we have to add it's only for the top four leagues. Uh, yes, and but yeah, I mean that's it's uh, quite a relief, I guess, for uh, Dortmund that even if things don't go well at Hoffenheim, uh, something crazy has to happen with with Leverkusen going by their form for them to miss out on Champions League football by now. Definitely. I, I honestly would say I don't see this happening because um I don't know about you, Lars, but I, I think Dortmund are very comfortable in playing the way they are playing right now, this 4-1-4-1 system. Uh, yeah, it seems to be working quite well. Peter Sugar said at today's press conference that um, Julian Weigl is finally uh, playing or he is finally the midfielder who he thought he uh, would be able to or, or he would be. Uh, so that says a lot about uh, Weigel's form and, and how Stöger uh, thinks of him. And yes, I can only uh, yeah confirm that. I thought Weigel had another strong performance in, in Bremen as yeah had more or less the entire team, even though it, it wasn't it wasn't on the same level as against Leverkusen, just as you said, because they were just, for some reason, they were just not as sharp. There were like too many little misplaced passes, you know, a couple of astray first touches, but yeah, it was it was still a good performance, but but like the crisp crispness wasn't there in, in the in the same way it had been against Leverkusen. I don't know if if that's just uh, their quote unquote dip after a good performance, and because uh, they had a better system, be better players, it just uh, didn't show as much, or um, whether there are other explanations for it. But uh, nevertheless, um, yeah, you you also mentioned Mario Götze. Um, let's talk a little bit about that goal that Dortmund scored because Mario Götze was highly involved in that um we saw once again Dortmund yeah play a million passes on the on the left side in the, in the half spaces and on, on the wing more or less um to yeah draw a couple of Bremen defenders in and then uh yeah Götze played that cross wide Pischek who pinked it back in the box I think that there was one lucky deflection because the ball then fell to Royce who pounced on the ball and it was in the net nevertheless that was a move we've seen plenty of times in the past uh, especially under Thomas Tuchel where Dortmund overloaded the the left side and uh, yeah that ball from Götze was uh, yeah just perfect I guess for, for Pischek and uh, defender just couldn't couldn't reach the ball in that instance but um, yeah I was really happy to see Dortmund play the way they did and and really created chances for themselves out of open play um Last, we talk a lot in, in Germany, or I don't know a lot, but I certainly think a lot about it. It's uh, called the Freilaufhalten, uh, the, the way players create spaces or, or become open by, by moving ar around. And I feel like without Michi Batshuayi or Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but with uh, Philip in there, Dortmund do it much better. I don't know if it, if it's just because of that. Or whether there are other reasons, maybe if you think of some, you can name them. But I think uh, it all starts with Dortmund just uh, moving much better. And yeah, I would even say a little bit more so when they are in possession. It's not as static anymore. Yeah, I mean, having these 
high-level strikers up front. Uh, it's it's it has obviously a lot of positives. Uh, they are natural goal scorers and whatever, but also has some negatives in in your general play because you've always got the the cheap option uh, that is relatively safe to just play long balls towards them. Uh, and either they can make something happen with them or you uh, you have to go for the second ball, which is something Dortmund haven't done particularly well in the season. And not having someone like that up front right now means they have to be more creative, uh, which we've seen with both centre-halves, for example, dribbling more and, and uh, advancing into spaces more than they had basically the entire season, especially Socrates. Uh, don't don't know if I've ever seen him dribble as much as the last two weeks and it also means uh, that the four attacking players if you like the uh, or five the the wingers the two number eights or tens however you want to call it and and the striker if if we can call philip slash royce even a striker uh, they they have to move around more as you said so they have to make themselves available to better passes basically or ground passes just because they don't have the physicality like uh, butchway or the incredible speed of Aubameyang to get on the end of these long balls so having more movement up front uh, means uh, you have more secure but also creative passes so it allows you to have more possession in the final third uh, with more men up front and we've seen uh, especially the the interplay between Mario Götze and Marco Reus they, they just have a knack for each other and they know how the other operates how how they see spaces, uh, what runs they make. So, uh, for example, in the Leverkusen game, that was uh, the Götze assist for Royce. And now in the Bremen game, he had that incredible outside of the boot pass uh, through the channel to Royce. Uh, that's just something that that's uh, innate between these two guys because they know each other so well. Uh, so having more of a focus on that instead of the the easy, simple long balls is really helping Dortmund right now. But uh, I think we could see now in the Mainz game that not having someone up front who's more physical might hurt them because both Leverkusen and to uh, a bit lesser extent Bremen were quite uh, happy to have some of the ball as well. And I think uh, Mainz are going to dig in deep, hope uh, that the last two weeks are... Uh, an aberration for Dortmund and that sitting deep will allow them to stifle any movement of Dortmunds and, and come away with one point which would probably uh, seal their fate in the Bundesliga for next season so uh, it, it comes with, with good and bad obviously we'll always uh, everything in football has has two sides and I think we saw the, the positive side of not having a real striker in the last two games but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the negative side on Saturday yeah, that might very well be. I was thinking about that too, but uh, I don't know. For 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 once, I just like the fluidity and the cohesion and the free flowing play because we just haven't seen it in so long. And yes, that um, pass from Götze to Royce just before halftime and before Bremen equalized, um, it was just amazing. Uh, just jaw dropping. I uh, had the yeah fortune to sit. In right, right in, in, the, in the path, basically, right. I just had the perfect angle to just be behind the ball when, when, uh, Götze played that pass and I could just see it, you know, just ping into the path of, of Royce. And, and yeah, it's, it was a shame that he didn't score because even though Pavlenka had a good game, I, I think Royce, uh, can usually put these away. But, uh, yeah, not, not this time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, nev- nevertheless, um, I still think Royce also had a very good game. I don't, I don't know how you saw him last, but I, I thought Marco, um, yeah, even though if he didn't put all these chances away, but, um, just the way he once again opened up spaces for, uh, other players and the runs he made, you know, just to create all those chances. I thought Royce had a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of hands in, in, in those, uh, yeah, very, uh, dangerous plays that Dortmund's had. So if you say, Götze had a really good game. I think that uh, Royce wasn't too far off. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think what we see right now is that he's really uh, better in a more central role than what he usually plays out, out on the left wing. I think he's uh, so comfortable in the half spaces for one and also he's just very intelligent. So he knows uh, 
how to run around to free himself uh, as a pass receiver or to get on the end of those uh, through balls to to uh, find a quick shooting solution. So I think his intelligence uh, and tactical awareness really shines through in this central role, which uh, he just doesn't get to play all that often. And I mean, if if we are allowed to look forward to next season for just a second here, uh, that would be one of the main reasons why people should be excited about Lucia Favre potentially taking over as before B head coach, because he is basically the guy who made uh, Marco Reus into a Germany international, basically by playing him in this more central secondary striker kind of role. Uh, whereas we've seen Reus in the last few years, mostly as a left winger cutting in and, and trying to find shooting solutions. I think he's, He's very good at, at everything, obviously, he does, but I think he's more valuable uh, because of his intelligence when he when he gets to play through the center a bit more. Especially if you have wingers that can do even more in a one-against-one situation in Royce. Because, obviously, Royce can, can dribble, but uh, his, his dribbling style always requires pace because he usually just puts the ball around an opponent in a way that, that he just needs to make the, up the ground with his speed. Like, they, he doesn't beat his opponent in the, in the instance of the dribble but rather at the end of it if that makes sense and he has also sometimes that chiro immobile <laughs> trademark touch where, where he just uh, basically scrambles through an opponent like the the ball just sticks to his leg while he just continues running i don't even know how else to describe that technique it's it, it looks like like he's just having a lucky touch and, and says that the ball falls into his path after bouncing off the opponent but uh, if you do it in such regularity it can't just be luck you know it must be something else but i would actually say with Jaden sancho and and uh, christian polisic you have uh, a little bit more dribbling potential on the way yeah polisic is also often relying on his pace but nevertheless um yeah i think that is really reason to be excited about next season especially with sancho uh, you know, most likely to have a far better season next time around than, than this year, because, you know, then he will have a full preseason, I hope. You know, I, I don't know if he will make the World Cup or not. And, uh, yeah, everything will just be a little bit more natural for him. And, uh, he has shown that he can be a really awesome player with a high ceiling. And, um, it was really interesting to see. Um, how Dortmund dismantled Bremen in the last half hour. I mean, they they didn't manage to score, but nevertheless, uh, Sancho was also just highly involved. I think he had like three key passes in those final thirty minutes um, and set up at least two chances, um, if if not one more, um, that arguably should have led to a goal, um, just because Bremen fatigued. And I think Weigel said it in the mix zone. It was like more or less the plan to just uh, yeah keep moving their chains. By, by moving the ball and hope they fatigue because he said they already invested so much in the first half that it was only going to be a matter of time until the fatigue and then spaces would open up. Um, yeah. And Sancho really then thrived as soon as that happened. And, uh, yeah, that really makes me very positive about next season. Also, one last thing about the, uh, quote unquote, Götzels part, Götzels partnership. Lars, I think that also defensively it makes a lot of sense because uh, you know they both have different approaches of course but um i think that both know how to press into position themselves how to steer the, the, the passes and um Götze actually showed in, in both those games that he can be a really good tackler um and royce also knows how to snatch the ball of an opponent so stuger today praised weigel for his play, but I would actually say that Weigel is also quite well protected by those two. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, regular listeners of our show, I hope, know uh, that Götze is criminally underrated uh, defensively or off the ball, however you want to call it. Uh, it's just a combination of his intelligence, but also his work rate, which incidentally is also underrated. I mean, he uh w when he's fully fit he usually runs the most kilometers of all players uh, in in Dortmund side as he did against Bremen uh and because he's so tactically astute uh, he knows as you said uh when to press when to fall back uh how to block passing lanes and and all these little things that aren't particularly exciting necessarily but are so vital to a team's success so 
uh, I think I like Götze better as a defender or off the ball than Royce, but uh, Royce also does pretty well right now, and I think he's he's actually helped by not being out on the wing where he's a bit more isolated right now. I agree. In the in the in the central role, he has Götze, he has Philip uh, or whoever plays up top at that moment, uh, dropping back a bit. Uh, Sancho or Pulisic can move inside a bit. You have Weigel there, so he's he's protected by a few players and that helps his relatively aggressive uh, attempts to win the ball back because he knows that unlike on the wing where he usually has 30 yards behind him with uh, only a fullback uh, he's uh, he's got more protection and that uh, really allows him to be uh, who he is and that's an aggressive player so uh, I, I would agree that it it's working really well and, and it's probably a combination of those two uh making Weigel's job easier but Weigel also uh, doing really well in in protecting them so it's it's, it's a nice combination uh it's not overly surprising to me that uh, having your three best outfield players possibly uh having them close to each other yields good results that's not overly surprising to me yeah i i feel like this is a lineup i could have called I don't know, so many months ago. It, it, that's the only thing that surprises me, actually, is that it took Sugar so long to come up with that. Um, it, it's nice that it finally worked out for Dortmund, and uh, it feels also quite, yeah, cool to to know that there is something to be excited about ahead of a game. Uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know, Dortmund have more or less found a groove now, and um, obviously a couple of players have found their rhythm, all that, so... You know, the the individual form is better again, but yeah, just 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 the system basically is is helping a lot, especially in those half spaces. And uh, yeah, including Jaden Sancho, I think was a master stroke, and uh, Manuel Kanji as a left back also. And uh, I don't know if I asked it the last week, um, but do you think last that Akanji as a left back or as a full back can be a permanent thing? Or do you think that uh, the club should still plan with him as a central defender? Um, I don't know. I I could actually imagine the club planning with him on on a, on a left side, but I would always make the argument that a, that a good center back is more valuable as a good left back, full back. Yeah, what do you yeah think? I was just going to say maybe it's my watching uh, seven rounds of the NFL draft this weekend, but positional value uh, is important to me and center backs are far more important than fullbacks. Uh, I think Akanji does better than I would have expected, even though I didn't think he would suck, uh, but he's going to be more important uh, in the center of defense and also uh, the, the physical demands of a full season at fullback are quite different to those uh, in the middle. So he would have to change some of the way he uh, eats uh, and trains and all that stuff. Uh, so I think uh, while it might 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 actually work just on a football sense, I think it it wouldn't make sense to plan with that, especially seeing as uh, Dortmund should, in my opinion, sell uh, Socrates in the summer because his contract is up in 2019 and there are apparently a lot of suitors for him. So uh, keeping someone who's going to be 30 years old soon with a contract that's running out next year doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So uh, it makes more sense then to look for a new left back uh, than a new center back because they are cheaper usually. And uh, I mean, Akanji is already there at Dortmund. So uh, it, it, it's, it, it might work. Uh, could be that the club plans like that, but I would rather see him slide back into his natural position and become the player we we think he can become in the center. That's a really, really good one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he had a really a few good runs going forward. Uh, the, the one, obviously, that yielded in a chance where Pavlenka once again showed a really good save, tipping the ball over the bar. Um, that's just something you really don't get with Schmelz a lot. Uh, also, mostly because Akanji is right-footed and when he cuts inside, he can just whip it with his right foot and uh, Schmetzer just can't so <laughs> um but one one more point it's it's nevertheless good to know that Akanji can play so well at the fullback position I mean um I would make the argument that he arguably can play as good if not better as a right back and that makes him really available for uh you know when when you have to make a 
tactical changes or changes due to injury, you know you can can tinker with your backline by moving him in other positions and he won't look, you know, completely out of place. And that I think is uh, another thing that can a keep opponents guessing and uh, be a reassurance. Um, yeah, if if someone gets injured, that you usually have a backup plan with with Akanji. If if you don't, if you say only have a fullback on the bench, but the center back gets injured, then Akanji can move over. The only thing that mustn't happen, of course, is that he himself picks up. But yeah, there you go. Um, Anything else you want to say about that Bremen match? How did you see Bremen? I, I thought they were decent, but should have still lost by quite a margin. Yeah, I mean, there's something to say for a team that hasn't lost uh, under their current head coach at home. And he took over before Stöger took over in Dortmund, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been a while for them in a home defeat. They've had uh, Leipzig and Dortmund uh, recently. Now Leverkusen traveling to Bremen. So... Uh, I mean, we talked last week about them not being too impressive in terms of individual talent, but there's obviously something there. And then having, I guess now we can probably say the best goalkeeper of the Bundesliga season uh, at the back, that that also helps. So uh, I'm I'm quite interested to see uh, how they are going to do next season with a full year uh, with this head coach, uh, a couple of shrewd additions uh, on the way. Uh, for example, uh, Leonardo Bittencourt uh, of Cologne. I think he makes a lot of sense with uh, Finn Bartels being out indefinitely. So I, I could see Bremen challenging for a Europa League spot next season. And it, it would be quite nice if that team had success because A, that's a very, it's a cool club uh, in terms of the supporting culture and, and the, the business culture, if you like. They are really down to earth up there. And also because they, unlike so many other teams in Germany, play actual decent football so it would be nice for them to have success next season yes and i can thoroughly recommend an away trip to bremen uh because the stadium is really really nice the Weserstadion. um i think it's one of my favorites actually um it had been before but now that i finally made my first trip over there uh, i can confirm that it's uh, quite beautiful there especially also in the streets around the stadium if you want to pick up a bratwurst or so um or a little bio or radler um, you can certainly do that, enjoy yourself. And, um, I would also say that Bremen from, uh, or people from, from Bremen or the North in general are, are usually quite nice. So yeah, that helps too. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough of, um, Bremen. We can look forward now to the game in which Dortmund will hopefully, hopefully wrap up the Champions League with a win, which I certainly expect. Uh, Mainz did, however, hammer Leipzig. Uh, one or two hours before Dortmund played against Bremen, it was a 3 0 route. I'm not quite sure what happened because I have not really fully seen a game, but I think Mainz were really, really passionate and uh, had a couple of good counterattacks and Leipzig put pressure on them but couldn't score. And then Keita got himself sent off in the final minute or so. Uh, so that, that happened. 3 0 win and, um, Everyone who listened to the Rasenfunk knows that, uh, according to the uh, Mainz guests, uh, it was like their best game in months. So I'm A, not sure if they can replicate it and B, I'm not sure they can replicate it against Dortmund because, um, as you already said off the air last, I very much agree. Leipzig right now are just not there. They are in a slump. They are, I don't know. I, I would just say they are pretty deflated. <laughs> Let's put it this way, you know, the hype around Leipzig is gone for now. And I'm I'm not sure if they would finish in the Champions League. What do you think? Do you think Leipzig still have, have a chance, like a realistic one, to finish it in, in the top four with 47 points? I just don't see it. Yeah, no chance. Absolutely no chance. They, I mean, they play Wolfsburg uh, on Saturday, and I don't know who on the final match day, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that team... I think they, they've run out of air basically, uh, after their first European campaign. Uh, there are a few internal issues with the likes of Forsberg and Keita, who are incidentally both going to be suspended, uh, on Saturday, uh, because, uh, they are repeat offenders. Or I think Keita was actually the second, uh, second booking, but it doesn't matter. There are a lot of issues. Uh, Coach Ralf Hasenhüttl doesn't know whether he's going to be there next season. He has, uh, from what I know, a lot of suitors 
for example, Eintracht Frankfurt are quite interested in him. Wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund uh, gave him a call at some point. So it, it feels like uh, their uh, their run has come to an end, and there's going to be some changes. Uh, obviously, Kater is leaving. I think Forsberg is probably going to leave. So they are going to to uh, have some changes, and I think the that's the the foreshadowing uh, is basically them sucking for weeks now. I mean, at the start of April, I think they were fourth and had just beaten Bayern 2-1. And in April, they've picked up one point, I think, and that was against Bremen and otherwise were hammered quite often and now being hammered by Mainz. Uh, I mean, that's that's quite the indictment. Yeah, definitely, because uh, Mainz, I don't know how many games they had lost beforehand, but I actually would have made the point before the weekend that Mainz are the worst team in the Bundesliga on, on form, even even worse than Wolfsburg and Freiburg. Um, I actually don't think that Cologne and, and, and Hamburg right now, even though Cologne is already definitely relegated, and uh, Hamburg, uh, yeah, obviously they have won three out of their last four games, but they're still second to last. You know, I, I think they are in better form than, than Mainz. So, yeah, that that 3 nil win really uh, caught me by surprise. Um, yeah, so... I, I just don't know how Mainz want to get a point in, in Dortmund. Their only chance, obviously, is to sit back and, and counter. Uh, they don't have the, the players to, yeah, really have an intricate passing and combination play. I, I just don't see it. They have been quite poor in, in that department. And, uh, I must say, Mainz also don't strike me as a team that is actually really good at, at, like, eating up pressure and just waiting for their moment. I always feel like they make too many individual mistakes in defense um, to really, yeah, hold hold opponents off for a longer period. And, and I that's, feel like that's without Nico Bungard, right? I mean, he's not really playing I mean, much. Yeah, obviously. And, and Stefan Bell, <laughs> who, of, if, as, as listeners know, is uh, always on my shit list because, to me, he's the worst Bundesliga defender there is. I might be just a little bit biased, but... Um, he, to me, to me, he's just crap. Um, he's like the the worst. Um, Abel Mesheros, if you listen to this and would try to correct me, just don't even try. Um, but uh, yeah, they they had a couple of uh, I mean, br- bright moments this season, and I would actually say that Pablo Di Blasis, for example, their uh, left attacker, let's put it this way, because they're playing a four three three ish system or so. He can be quite annoying because he's quite small, compact, and yeah, he can he can dribble, he can make things happen. Um, you know, I also don't think that that Danny Lazza or so is is like the worst player on earth. <laughs> um, so yeah, he is. Uh, I mean, mines do have some quality. They just couldn't really show it at all this season. It's also quite interesting that since Heidel left, the club has more or less fallen apart. They had a lot of troubles with their fans. And, uh, yeah, a lot of turmoil over there. They were usually known to be quite stable and have a lot of, uh, serenity about themselves, but that's no longer the case. And, uh, yeah, when, when the fans turn on a small club like mine, it's always going to be hard. They just didn't really have the best of seasons. And Rochevats, I think he's not the worst coach. He, I think, has, has a good tactical mind, but, just the players didn't quite perform this season, so um, I don't know. I I just can't get excited about about my, about my yeah. I don't know about you lost, but they've been just so drab to watch. Yeah, I can't can't really remember when when I last watched Mainz for ninety minutes. It might actually have been the uh, the first meeting, which was uh, Peter Stöger's first game in charge. But I I will say that for however drab they probably are. Uh, they have a couple of very interesting players in Abdul Diallo, who's been linked with uh, Arsenal, uh, and I think I think I've heard something about him in Dortmund. It might not be a real rumor, more more a suggestion by someone. Uh, he's probably going to play at, at left. <laughs> I have heard the same suggestion. <laughs> yeah, I might be, might have been on the show. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he's probably going to play at left back on Saturday. He's played at center half. Uh, he's good in the air, good on the ball. I think he's an interesting uh, defensive prospect. I mean, when he's uh, when someone's linked uh, with Arsenal these days, with Sven Nistelrooy, their chief scout or diamond eye or whatever your, his his role is now, 
uh, he's probably going to be a good player. So uh, he's interesting. And then also uh, Jean-Philippe Joubamin, who was incredible in the first meeting. Uh, I think he went off injured at halftime and that basically decided the game. Uh, I might be wrong, but he was really good in that game. No, no, that, that, that was exactly. Yeah. And, and he is just very physical. Uh, he's like 6'2, I think, very muscular, but also good on the ball. He can play center back. He can play as a defensive midfielder. Uh, he's the, the kind of player that, that some think Dortmund are lacking. Um, so if nothing else, I think those are two guys to keep an eye out. On, but you know that's also the team that uh, signed Nigel De Jong in the winter, so it's not like uh, it's it's a hipster FC right now. I mean, uh, what can we expect from them against Dortmund? Probably sitting back, hoping for a counter uh, with the Blazes Ertsunali. Both are quick. Uh, Muto, I think, is healthy again up front. He's a pretty good finisher, but uh, what I'm expecting is actually. Uh, Joubermain and De Jong trying to manhandle uh, Reus and Götze in the center. And I mean, everybody who's uh, who holds Marco Reus and his ankles dear, I think they they need to be uh, ready for some challenges on Saturday. I, I could easily see Nigel De Jong trying to take someone out of the game without, you know, uh, without murdering someone. But, you know, he's... He's quite known for being a very physical player, to put it very mildly. So, yeah, very mildly. Yeah, yeah that's 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 the thing. Um, I don't know who the referee will be, but whoever it will be, uh, should be uh, not a lenient one. I think uh, otherwise, that's going to be very unhealthy for Dortmund because um, De Jong is also also just so Arab prone this season. You know, he is overly aggressive, but that has just led to many um, yeah mistakes. Because if you are aggressive, obviously you will always risk to open the space behind you, and um, he has done plenty of that this this season. And he just also just misjudges a lot of situations. So he hasn't really impressed me at all, and uh, that signing hasn't really made much sense to me, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Dortmund will expect a more physical side than uh, Leverkusen and Bremen, although Leverkusen are usually very physical at least at the midfield and uh you know defense but they just were a little bit more bodiless on in that 4-0 defeat so um yeah it's going to be more physical yes but i th i think that Götz and, and royce will find ways to um yes play them apart especially if sancho plays again in the way he did in that uh 4-0 win over leverkusen because um he would be going up against uh daniel brusinski and uh, he is just not that fast. Um, and yeah, he struggles a lot against uh, highly talented players. So I would actually hope that, that Sancho can create a lot of, of space. And, uh, yeah, if you go up against Brzezinski and then Bell, you always will have a really good chance to, to score. Um, I don't know if Reni Arthur will play again. I, I presume so. He all also had, yeah, like Pavlenka-esque games against Dortmund in the past. I'm not sure if that will happen again, but Adler, like usually has pretty good games against Dortmund I will say that um but uh yeah otherwise I actually don't expect any changes from Dortmund um I don't know if, if Stöger will put in other players even even though mine's it's not the same team as Bremen and Leverkusen as you already said but I would just keep it that way um if there are any updates on personnel is that Roy suffered a knock but should be fine until Saturday and I think Kagawa had a couple of muscular problems or no ankle problems so it were but he also should be ready to play on Saturday obviously I don't know if if Kagawa plays um speaking about Kagawa um the substitutions of uh, Schöle and Yamolenko and not using your third how did you perceive that because I thought it was a little bit weird I thought Sugar could have brought on Kagawa if he's fit and has been the best player you had uh, before his injury why not play him again yeah I mean I don't know what Stöger was thinking exactly there uh Schürrle actually did fine I thought uh, had a couple of chances but especially the Yamolenko sub because he and Kagawa have been in team training a similar amount of time I think after their respective injuries and if if I have the the choice between bringing on uh, Kagawa and Yamolenko uh, to win a game uh, my choice would be Kagawa and it would not be one that I would uh, have to think about for too long. So I don't know obviously how many minutes they thought Kagawa could play. 
uh, but uh, I mean, I'm of the opinion if someone's on my bench, he can probably play at least 30 minutes or so. So, uh, not sure what exactly was the the thought process there, but I mean, it, bygones be bygones, and I, I would actually say that Kagawa would have a shot to start against Mainz uh, with Royce's problems because they should play it uh, or be careful with Royce. Uh, in front of a World Cup, obviously that's not a Dortmund event, but I'm pretty sure they want him to have that World Cup experience this summer. So if Kagawa hadn't picked up his, uh, what did you say, ankle problems, um, I think uh, that would have been a, a possibility to start him. But seeing as they have both uh, been out of team training this week for some uh, of the uh, training sessions, it, it probably makes the most sense to just go with the team that worked pretty well against Bremen and very well against Leverkusen. Yeah, although I, I gotta say, if you put in Kagawa for either Götz or, or Royce into that, so let's call it double 10, <laughs> um, I actually think that would uh, still be quite, uh, you know, maybe not of the same quality, but but quite close because I think Kagawa, Royce and Kagawa and Götz both work out quite well. Uh, Kagawa can help out Weigel definitely with uh, his defensive and off the ball movements and, and skills because as we have said a million times already, he is, um, yeah, one of the, the best players that Dortmund have in that department. And, uh, he of course has the playmaking skills to make anything happen offensively. And, uh, yeah, we all know what an awesome player Kagawa is. And it was really a shame for him to get injured. I think had he remained healthy, Dortmund would probably already be qualified for the Champions League because he has been just the difference maker and Dortmund had been lacking that. So, um, yeah, especially for a game like the Rivier Derby, Kagawa probably would have come in handy. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, so we'll see about the lineup and whether the, uh, Japanese will start. Um, someone who I thought would start this game and anticipating a Bremen win and, uh, locked up Champions League qualification was Roman Weidenfeller. Um, Sugar has promised him minutes, but only like, uh, yeah, late substitution out of gratitude, I guess. I don't know when garbage time will start in this game, but, or if, if it even will. But, um, yeah, Roman Weinfeller is supposed to receive a couple of minutes if the run of play allows it, as Sugar said. Um, I don't know, last about you, but I would actually just start him. Um, you know, it's not like Roman Birki has been so valuable to the team in the last few games that you absolutely need him. Weinfeller still can do a job, I think. At least against Mainz, um, I, I would not prefer him against Hoffenheim, but Mainz, I think, would be a chance for Weidenfeller to get his last 90 minutes before he retires. And I just don't see too much of a risk with Dortmund's Champions League ambition, even if he starts. I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I don't think it would be a big problem for them to start Weidenfeller uh, in a sporting sense, but I don't think they've uh, earned the right with their performances this season to not take the game as seriously as possible. And with uh, some things still on the line in the relegation battle for Mainz, uh, I think the right thing to do is to start the best available team. And that does not include Roman Weidenfeller. So as, as deserving of a very nice sending off as he is, uh, Dortmund are not in a position like Bayern to basically play, uh, play a, a, a B team in a game against Eintracht Frankfurt, who are still fighting for a European spot this season. So uh, I, I understand everyone who thinks um, they should just start Weidenfeller, but I actually like that they uh, won't. And I think we can all basically assume that unless uh, minds are much better than we all think, Roman Weidenfeller will still get a nice ovation from the fans and it might actually be a better one when it, when he's coming on during the game that might be a nicer moment because uh, uh, at the start of the game everything will be uh, will be open the the result uh, the the Champions League spot for Dortmund and if he comes on we know that basically they've achieved their goal for this Bundesliga season and then they can all concentrate on 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 saying goodbye to uh, Weidenfeller so I, I think it works out pretty nicely and if he doesn't come on, it means uh, that Dortmunds aren't aren't playing well enough to to earn that, and that would also mean that it was the right decision to not play Weinfeld from the start. So it's, uh, in my opinion, the right decision. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I I guess it's time to uh, move over to predictions, right? Um, 
think I will go first this time. Um, Dortmund. I, I, I don't know. I, I still think it, it's going to be a high-scoring result, but man, you, you never know how good Dortmund's finishing is and how good of a performance Adler will have. So um, I'm gonna pick the uh, scoreline that you had last week, and I'm just gonna say, ah, I don't know. Let's say three nothing because I just don't see how Mainz will score a goal. So three nothing is my prediction. What is yours? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that this is going not going to be a huge problem for Dortmund to win this game, but I could see just based on Mainz uh, attacking inactivity, uh, perhaps lower scoreline. So I'm going with a two 0 win for Dortmund. Yeah, the the thing is, what I I just think the Dortmund will score relatively early, and that will force Mainz to open up a little, and then uh, yeah, no, they they just won't. I mean, they they have nothing to win by uh, going all guns blazing before the last ten minutes or so. If Mainz go down early, quick, they they the best play for them is to make sure it's only one goal, and then hope in the last few minutes of the game uh, instead of trying to get back even straight away because they are not good enough to keep Dortmund at bay for 18 minutes or so. Oh no, I just checked the weather and it's going to be 20 degrees warm, which is and, and sunny. That's the perfect football weather, so that means Dortmund will comfortably win 3-0. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that wraps it up for this week. Um, I hope uh, the winners of our little um, raffle will be happy with the tickets. Uh, Lars, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter and I hope that's about uh, all in terms of touching. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Lars Polman and my written work, if you are capable of reading the German language or have a nice translator app, uh, you will find at fußball.news. Yeah, I think Google Translator will be fine. It's not like you write too overly complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if you don't want to use your translator app, but rather just uh, read all the news in uh, written English, then go to ESPNFC, where you can find all the uh, stuff that I write. And you can obviously follow me at Stefan Butzko. If you want to get in touch with all of us, do that via the at Yellow Warpod Twitter handle. And Yellow Warpod is also our Facebook handle for our written stuff. Please uh, go over to yellowwarpod.com, where you will also find ways to subscribe to our show can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And lastly, I'm afraid no more little barks from Sam and the Pod Dog because the little guy sadly passed away on Wednesday. So a special little shout out for Mr. Simon. Be well, buddy. Goodbye. Until next time.